Xiao Jun. Hi everyone, this is Jingjing. Um, thank you for listening to the latest episode of Woman Podcast. So today it's our great pleasure to have Yang Yi with us. Yang Yi will share her fascinating story with us later. So before we start, Yang Yi, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? My name is Yang Yi, and I was born and raised um, during the time of the One Child Policy, the 1980s. With the economic empowerment of Chinese middle class, my parents saved enough money and presented me with the opportunity to attend university abroad. Um, I took it without a second thought. My dream at the time was to either become a war correspondent or a forensic psychologist. I pursued the latter and had my very first job delivering psychological services, mostly in prisons in New Zealand. I then moved to Australia to widen my experience by contracting myself as a psychologist to the Defence Force, including the Navy, the Air Force, the, the Army. I'm dealing mostly with anxiety, trauma and depression. So I stumbled um, into the world of darkness, heartbreak and anger. <laughs> yeah, totally. And yeah, and I was awoken to an understanding of a different side of life, which in turn has transformed my own relationship with the world and opened my heart to what was imperceptible previously. A few years ago, I made a conscious decision to mm -hmm. transfer, um, to study further and to transfer my skills to work with leaders and systems right. to create conditions for the emergence of possibility rather than negativity. Mm -mm. So that's me. <laughs> right. So so the, the reason that I want to have Yang Yi with us today, because her very extraordinary choice of life, you know, both Jinjin uh, and I, we study abroad as, as well. So in 2017, there's over 60 million Chinese students studying overseas and we go to study business, economy and uh, law. So all of those are practical options which can potentially give us a good career path. And that's why a lot of people choose to study abroad. However, you apparently chose a very different way of doing that. And personally, I think it's really brave. And that's one way to see the world from very different perspective. So can you share with us a little bit, you know, for example, like why you chose this? I have always been an idealist and my dream at the time was to study psychology or uh, become a journalist. Mm. There's um, uh, ways that I could serve the world. Being an idealist, I, um, I thought that was my way to serve the world. One offender at a time. So. I don't know whether you've watched the movies Utopia, mm. and I resonated with the the female protagonist, the rabbit officer, Jimmy right? Hobbs, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, who is incredibly naive and sweet, <laughs> and waving her carrot shaped recording pen and claiming that she's going to make the world a better a place. A better place. <laughs> yes. I was. I was. I. That's how I saw my role at the time. Look back now. I was attracted to those challenging careers mm. because I was genuinely curious. I wanted to know the impact of the environment we were born into. I wanted to know why harm is often done with the best intentions at heart. I wanted to know why bad things happening to good people all the time and why we do 
we do terrible things to each other. <laughs> Growing up in a well-protected, uh, loving family, I'm not sure whether this, this is what you experience. I grew up with a lot of no's because mm -mm. our parents overprotect us. Right. They yeah. say, do not Definitely. touch that. That's going to burn your fingers. Or do not try that. That's dangerous. Mm. So that really fostered my curiosity. I wanted to break the shield to see the world for myself. But also, growing up in a loving family gave me the courage to do so because I had a lot of trust. Mm -mm. A lot of trust in the world. So you might think it's brave, but I really just followed my heart. Yeah, I think that's this amazing that you follow your heart. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I grew up in one of those well-protected families as well. And my, my world is pretty much family school. And then I remember in college, I went to one of the small village in Hebei province. It's the first time in my life to saw how what kind of poor condition people can live in. I remember we passed it like a convenience store. There was like only one small lamp. It's inside was so dark. Mm -hmm. the, the road was still like a dirt road. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the village in Hebei province, which is really close to Beijing or Tianjin. So I was really shocked. So as the generation come from the one child policy, we're, we're so well protected, carry all of the dreams, you know, enjoy all of the love from our parents, but somehow make us very distant from the real world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally agree. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also I think the family, they, they invested, they invest in you and want to make sure yeah. that you live a better life than they do. Exactly. Yeah. Let, let's talk about your experience in prison. <laughs> um, so yeah, describe us, you know, how you get assignment, you know, when you walk into the prison gate, what's your experience? Were you scared? Were you feared? And I was. <laughs> As you remember, I was very nervous driving to a, a male prison on my own for the first time. Mm. I felt the air became much cooler as I approached the parking lot, despite the sun being really bright. Mm -mm. It's interesting, my memories of prisons has always been cold. Is it really that the temperature is really cold? Well, it's psychologically, you, you just... Phil, no. I yeah, I discussed that a lot with my colleagues at the mm. time. We all felt the same. Um, I still think it is the the energy around prison. Mm. It's very, if you think about it individually, each inmate carries the burden of their past, mm, 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 traumatic mm. past. Right. And most of them are really negative. Um, holds a lot of anger. You know, if there's energy. You know, in our thoughts and in the way we behave, um, really impacts it makes you. sense that you know it's on a larger scale. Uh, a group of them, um, you know, has certain energy. Interesting. To it, um, it's um, it's draining. If I have to describe that type of energy, it's cold. It makes you feel cold, and also it's draining. Mm -hmm. You feel tired. Um, Interesting. Being in it. Mm. So that's always been my memory, my experience, um, traveling to prisons to, to deliver my uh, programs. And once I'm in the parking lot, I collect my interview materials um, and making sure I did not bring anything sharp accidentally. Mm. So even pencil are not allowed. Oh, even pencil is? Yeah, so because the pencil is sharp. Oh, okay. Um, 
Okay. That is not allowed. What can you write on? <laughs> write uh, they give you. They they give you. Once oh, you okay. Inside, they give you um, the pencils, but you have to leave it in the interview room. I see. Yeah, I still remember my um, the first time I I go to the gate and heard the door close and lock behind me, mm. and I followed the guard through a long corridor of concrete greenness with many more doors closing and locking behind me. So that's a quite a lizard memory. Mm. And once inside the compound, the guard left me to navigate for myself because each compound, uh, each compound was numbered. So I would go to those of people I was to interview. Mm -mm. And I always know when I'm closer to a compound, I will hear whistles and callings of, hey miss. So wherever I went, I, there were creepy gazes and bleak stares. Um, and and arms flapping through the gaps of the iron iron bars. Right. Yeah. 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 The most inmates I interviewed were muscular mm. and with tattoos all over their bodies. Mm -mm. There is not much to do in prison, so <laughs> they work out a lot. Nice. They were either fit or plump, and their hands were always moist, often <laughs> tucked inside their sweatpants. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> You don't see men walking around straight doing that. <laughs> if they do, you know. Um, for example, after I introduced myself, I would raise my hand to shake theirs. Yeah. There was usually an eighty-eight out of ten chance that they would withdraw their hands from the elastic band of their sweatpants. It still bewilders me why they do not use their pockets. Do you still shake their hand? I still do, because <gasps> I, I can't shake them. <laughs> A little bit gross. Mm, yeah. Yes, it's always, always moist. It's, yeah, it's, I, I remember that vividly. <laughs> what, what's the significance of that? It's kind of a self-protection or... It's... Or um, just have it? Yeah, their hood is... Hood, hoodies on, hands in there, tucked inside their pants. I know, I, I don't understand either. <laughs> I checked, they have pockets. <laughs> Pocket is not cool. <laughs> no, no, that's not cool. So, <laughs> I'm always just like, hey, how are you? So, you know. <laughs> that's so funny. So that's pretty much my memory of my mm. first, first trip to uh, working in the prison independently on my own. Yeah. Were you scared when you walked through the corridor or walked through the bars when they whistling to you? <laughs> it was new, I guess. Um, I have always been a, a good girl <laughs> up to that point. So I, uh, I, I did not put myself deliberately put myself in situations where I would get whistles from mm, guys on the street. Right. Um, so that was definitely new to me. I think my reaction to look down on myself, to be cautious of the way I dressed, showed I was nervous. Mm -mm -mm. Um, um, I felt not that confident, I guess. Mm. Yeah. You wanted to be sort of raise as little attention as possible. You wanted to be almost invisible. Exactly, because I wanted to help them with, with what I know mm. about psychology. I don't want the way I look. Mm. have to impact on my work, on my mm -hmm. relationship with them. But mm. I guess that's just something I have to face. And um, yeah, there's no shortcut. Mm. You, you mentioned that as a, as a woman, um, 
your, your friends normally dress up for work, but、mm. you dress down. Explain what, what, what do you wear <laughs> when you go to prison? Yeah, I still remember my、um, our dress code at the time. is It's an unwritten dress code. Okay. Is no up, no down, no see through. No up, no down, no see through. I can understand. What does that mean? No up, so, no down. Um. So basically, it's covering your whole body, covering your cleavage,、mm. and neutralizing your sex. Hmm. So, so when you you have to be mindful when you bend over, they cannot see anything. From the top of your shirt. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And yeah. if they are under, if they, you know, if they're sitting down, you standing, they cannot see from up, from up, from be below.、Mm, um, yeah,、see. so you just have to, you know, check yourself every day before you、um, go to work. I pick the most aging clothes out of my wardrobe, and I will make sure that I'm that I'm as unattractive as possible with terrible fashion sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, this must be、yeah. awful for a young girl. Yeah, that's I guess the only downside of my job at the time is <laughs> I couldn't wear. I was self-conscious, so I made extra effort to、mm. make sure I dress terribly for work.、Um, and as I became a lot more comfortable with going to prison on a daily basis, I started to be less, you know, nervous about it, less. Anxious about it,、um, but still wearing baggy clothes. So baggy, <laughs>、uh, black and baggy. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but now, I think, when I think about it, now it's the new fashion. So. Tell us a, a little bit about your work. What's the structure is like, and do you work with them on a group basis or on an individual basis? And how often do you meet with them? Could you maybe describe, you know, a typical day of work in prison? We give them grades, so we grade them. So the for the high density prisoners and inmates, we they have one on ones. So the the high density prisoners are mostly serious offenders. They、mm. they could be either serious killers or have done something quite dramatic and quite severe, or they leaders of the、um, of the criminal group.、Mm. And for the medium range,、um, that's the part I covered. They including mostly、um, murderers,、um, thieves, repetitive drunk drivers, drug dealers.、Mm. And also drug addicts, but mostly drug dealers, because drug addicts usually go to a different place. We either do a group therapy with them, so consisting of twelve inmates all together, or we do a small one,、mm. so with three inmates. First, I will actually go to prisons to interview them. We test their motivation for change. So if they either intrinsically or extrinsically motivated to make a difference, to make a difference to their lives. And I would take them on,、mm. but I have to check whether you know whether the, their desire is genuine, where is the, where the pressure is from, and what's their offending history, and what's the likelihood for them to stop reoffending. And I mentioned the word intrinsic, extrinsic. So intrinsic 
means you know they from the bottom of their heart they want to make a difference but they want to make different choices but their environment wouldn't allow them to mm. uh, when i uh, when i said extrinsic um i meant the ones who themselves uh, do not necessarily want to change but their family their either their mother their father or their uh, their partner want them to change mm. so my job was to assess okay giving your level of how likely you are to make mm. the change uh, happen and how successful you may be the chance of a person to make the ultimate change in their lives is one out of ten mm-hmm. so within a whole big group if one person make a change in their life and i would consider my program is quite successful mm-hmm. so for the rest is about planting the seed mm-hmm. so it's about helping them to be more aware of their behaviors and actions and maybe later in life once they're ready, they could in, in start a journey of change. That's a four-month group. So from Monday to Thursday, if I remember it right. So that's for the big group. And the small group is only one month, so it's less, a lot less intense, mm. and, but a lot more intimate. I see. I do that one outside prison. I think the prison ones, I did all the big groups. So the small groups I did in, at probation centres. With the with the funders who's already got their parole, um, and just making sure they you know not getting back to their unhelpful habits. Once I've interviewed the 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 inmates and select a group, um, I'm quite careful in terms of who I select. I, mm. I think I shared with Yang Jun before. Uh, I need to match the level of experience <laughs> of these offenders. Um, and make sure they do not turn the, the program as an opportunity to either exchange tips and, mm. and tactics to help one another to become better criminals or take the opportunity for, for their own recruitment. I would have a co-facilitator who I would um, exchange ideas and we would discuss each uh, person, each inmate individually and, and create the most suitable, the, mo- the best group. Do you have a file for each of the person and then it's like, you know, the whole psych- you know, psychological profile of this person? Yes, definitely. I think during the one-on-one interviews, we would ask them a lot of stories about their past, about their present, about how they see, how they perceive their own offending and to understand the, the level of insights um, they have over their own history. And we create a profile. We will definitely do analysis based on the profiles profile we'll have, and to anticipate some of the challenges we may have that with that particular person, and and think of some of the best um, techniques or um, tools to work with that particular person. Mm. So we do that for each one of them. You know, once the group is ready, we go in on the first day to introduce ourselves, to set the ground rules. Once they're all sitting in one space, we want to make the space as safe for them as possible. We collaboratively lay down the group rules. I would say, you know, definitely everything we say is confidential. However, the confidentiality is limited. If someone disclosed that he's under the influence of drugs, uh, drug or alcohol, mm. then I would have to do something about it. Okay. Um, rules like that. So some other ask them to contribute to the rule of to the rules as well because this is their group. So once we laid the foundation, we will start getting into the different modules of the program, and some of it will be you know being mindful, start to understand yourself a little bit more, 
and understand your emotions because most of these guys had a really traumatic childhood mm. so it's about having some knowledge about the the emotions they experience and some really simple things like being able to label their emotions mm -mm. most of them could only tell if you ask them how are you they can they will tell you i'm good or you know when they are not good they are doing something terrible <laughs> like drinking or abusing drugs or you know go on and um, beating someone up so through their experience they haven't learned how to cope with extreme emotions they haven't, mm, haven't, haven't learned to cope with challenging difficult emotions with equanimity mm -mm. we've grew up in a protective uh, protected environment and mm -mm. we've learned to to do that mm -mm. Uh, to be in the middle way to not to overreact but they haven't right so it's about we start with very basic things to label your emotion to be mindful of knowing that you know start to be able to tell that when you are angry your your hands start sweating for example mm -mm. and this is the time you need to be mindful and maybe take yourself out of the situation mm. so there are you know start with very basic and then we go to the next layer okay let's now be mindful of the way you think because I think Gandhi once said, be mindful of your words because your words become your thoughts. Mm -mm. Be mindful of your thoughts because your thoughts become your action. Be mindful of your action because your action become your habits. Be mindful of your habits because, because your habits become your character. And be mindful of your character because your character become your destiny. Mm. So very much we then looking at you know the thinking patterns because a lot of people, even us, we have really unhealthy thinking patterns, like right. catastrophizing or blaming others. And looking at the thinking patterns, making a plan for an alternative way of living. Yeah, I guess most of the inmates, the, the reason that they are in prison is because most of them um, have this kind of traumatized personal experience. That's, that's why they took extreme measure to cope with this kind of situation. I guess, like you said, you, you start from basic because a lot of, mm. I, I guess their problem is very severe rather than, you know, ordinary psychologist work, you know, have people lay down there, talk about their days, but this one could be, I don't know, serial killers. The reason that he started this kind of serial killer because maybe something happened in his childhood has a huge impact into him mm. and then lead to this way. Four months, like as a group discussion, is enough to really change this person or you know changing the person is not your goal it's pretty much help them to lead that way just a little bit yeah i think i read it somewhere to create new behavior uh, new behavioral patterns it takes at least three to six months mm. so four months is definitely too short definitely especially for for them who have already very strong patterns and also you know that their environment it's really not helpful for in terms of them making a transformation. Mm. One thing they taught me is that, um, as I described to you previously, I had all these questions about why we are the way we are, mm -mm. why why there is such a dark side. Mm -mm. Um, I learned that we are all flawed, and the the hope is that through intentionally cultivating wisdom, we become a little bit better than we were yesterday. Right. But that's why it's futile to compare ourselves to others mm. because 
um, growing is really a matter for each of us. Mm-mm. So the inmate told me that because um, it's true that they are ultimately responsible for their own behaviors. However, you know, we can't underestimate the power of social influence, social influences on them. Mm, right. Imagine growing up in a household with guns, drugs, and violence. It's hard not to pick up the wrong things. Right, exactly. And the inmates I met were just like the people I meet in life in general. I think that the deep desires we have for life, the struggles we experience in life are very much the same Mm. and connected. So my job at the time was to help them be more attentive to what's really happening and to break, to intentionally break their thinking and behavioral patterns and try out new ways to make a living. Mm. So it's all about giving them the courage and trust to say, hey, you can do, do this. It's hard, but you can make a difference. You can make make a change. I think this is so fascinating. Um, and also, I think the journey for yourself, it, it must be not easy because I, you know, I don't know much about psychology, but what I do know is that being a psychologist and also pr- practicing this, you also need to invest in a lot of your mental and emotional capacity into this. Being in a psychologist in, you know, for normal people can be quite challenging. And let alone that you're being a psychologist in prison where a lot of people are very traumatized and also carrying lots of burdens and baggages from their past lives. So can you tell us a little bit about how does that make you feel and how does that make you feel as a professional psychologist and also as a person? Difficult time and you feel your, your emotion has been affected by your work experience in dealing with the infants day to day. You know, what, what was your most challenged time? I had many. <laughs> Imagine. I think because I was, you know, genuinely young and there were seas, I just, I didn't see what I didn't see. And I learned, I, I was textbook smart, but these inmates were street smart. Lesson one of psychology, be non-judgmental. And I thought, okay, I can do this. This is easy. <laughs> be non-judgmental. I will not judge you. So I even remember my very first um, session, I actually verbalized it to them, say, I'm a professional. I will not judge you. But saying it is easy, but doing it is so much harder. Mm. I remember one of the, during one of the sessions, um, we were talking about high-risk situations, So which means that they... They need to figure out the you know the situation that more likely to drive them to reoffending, to get on the path of reoffending, and things will be like either they are feeling angry or they needing money, or their mates wants um, them to go out in the middle of the night. So, and then we also want them to come up with strategies to overcome those high risk situations. So some inmates were really you know they they give me the answer I wanted to hear say when I'm feeling angry I'm gonna read a book <laughs> really okay so I will push back right as I was quite direct I don't know why people always say Chinese people are indirect I was really direct 
uh, <laughs> I said, no, that's not good enough. Come on, give me another one. And I think that particular inmate was really agitated and he asked, okay, what about you? What's your hybrid situation and what would you do about it? And my immediate response was to defend myself. So mm. I said, I do not have a hybrid situation because I would never offend. Oh. Which did not land well, of obviously. And <laughs> I wow. And because every session in prison um, were videotaped. Mm, so mm, we mm. have to video, we videotaped every session so we could uh, watch it afterwards mm, and mm. learn from it. So after that session, I went back to work, my workplace, and put on the video and uh, watching myself and watching them. And I was mortified, mortified mm. when I heard myself again. Mm. That made me realize how privileged mm, I felt mm, mm. deep down. Right. And how I did not see them as equals. So that right. was a major shift, uh, shifting point in my career that, that I had to really reflect inwardly mm. by seeking the answers um, yeah, from within. And that really helped me to, to later be genuinely non-judgmental <laughs> to my best ability. Because there's always things that we hold quite dearly that we right. judge, um, we hold so dearly that we judge others with. Mm -mm. But it's to gradually noticing those things will help us to understand others a little bit more. Right. Yep. So that's one of the challenge, and definitely I grew a lot from that experience. Well, was there any very difficult case that you feel like, you know, personally it's drawing a lot of energy from you or you feel like, oh, it's some case that is so hard for me to overcome? I worked with a, with a young guy from Taiwan. So that mm. really shocked me because um, he's, he was really young and he went overseas just like I did mm -mm. to study. Um, his parents gave him money to study and he used that money to buy and sell drugs because he was in a similar age to me. Um, and somehow I felt quite responsible mm. to his parents. We have family days. I can't remember whether it is a quarter into the program or halfway. We definitely have another one at the end of the program. Um, you meet their parents and and his, his parents came. I saw my parents in his parents because his parents still, you know, very loving, very supportive and, and wanted him to succeed. Mm. So the hope for him to succeed is still very strong. They did not they did not give give him up. That really touched me, because imagine some of the parents we I I know in China, mm. they may think, oh, you brought shame to your family. Yeah, exactly. And, and I yeah, I may disown you for some mm, 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 extreme mm. cases, but his parents uh, left quite a big impression on me because they were still very hopeful and very extremely supportive. Um, he did really well during the prison because uh, he, underst he understood everything at an intellectual level. But understand your emotional self as well as your analytical self mm. and make wise decisions. And so some inmates would say, you know, especially the, the ones who sell drugs, the drug dealers, they would say they, they see selling drugs as their business. Mm, I see. So they have a very pro-social view of their anti-social behaviors. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So I guess that probably answers your question. You know, those when those people have the hardest, I had the hardest time to try to 
influence mm. because their beliefs are so strong. I see. But once you dig a little bit deeper, once they trust trusted you a little mm. bit more, and you realize a lot of a lot of their decisions actually came from very negative places, the, mm. like the feeling of insecurity, the feeling of you know not enoughness. I don't know whether there's a word, but not feeling enough, mm. and not feeling successful enough, and feeling even ashamed or feeling guilty. So those are really negative, mm. not unhelpful emotions. So to help them to realize them and start creating new path, path neural pathways in their brains to start seeing things slightly differently, that's always been most challenging because mm. you can say the right thing, you, but it's so hard to know where those words are coming from. Mm. Talking about building more trust, I mean, like you said, most of the inmates, they are very muscular, big guys with touch all over their body. But you are, at that time, really young Asian girl, um, pretty, you know, it's, it's, it, the, the, the picture just don't match. People try to push, push the boundaries, see, you know, whether they could take advantage of you mm. because they probably don't feel like you, you represent authority. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Considering, you know, people's stereotype of Asian female, right? How, how do you build your authority? How do you make sure, you know, that the boundary is clear and after a while you can, you can win their trust? Yeah. Most of them have really quite negative view of women. Mm. A lot of them yeah. even blame women for their own offenses. <laughs> That's convenient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had a strong desire to model a good woman, so to challenge their perception mm. of a woman, what a woman like in their mind. Because in prison they could, you know, s still smoke pot if they want to. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Interesting. It's available if they want to. So one of the, um, um, I think one of the guy disclosed that he's under the influence of marijuana mm. and then the rest of the group were looking at me oh. to see what I'm gonna do with it either pretend I didn't hear it or you know do the right thing which is to, to call the prison guard and ask him to leave. They did that intentionally just to test you? Yeah because they want to see whether you can hold the boundaries whether you can be trusted and mm. whether this is a safe environment because mm. worse things than just smoking pot <laughs> may happen so they wanted to know how you react to it mm. are you mature enough to handle a, mm -mm, a situation mm -mm, like mm -mm, this mm -mm. so luckily I did the right thing mm. but they, they put on many tests like this and how did you need uh, oh, react yeah, to I, that I, I'm curious yeah I did um, I did call the prison guard and hold I put um, the session on, po on pause I called the prison guard and mm. asked the prison guard to escort him to his own compound I see and and also you know making I had a private conversation with him afterwards on another day well the next time when I when I went to prison to making sure he's aware that he can't he couldn't do it again. It's, mm. He's not allowed to do it again. Otherwise, he's going to be disqualified for the program, mm. which is a big deal for them because they all want to complete the program to get early parole. Oh, yeah. I see. So they want they, they want to um, complete the program. They want to be perceived as compliant, mm. and then I will write a good report for them, and they get early parole. I see. So. 
So once he knew the consequences, I'm going to stick to it and there's no way I'm going to let you just keep on doing it, he stopped. In the prison it's a lot harder to access, to have access to other drugs, but in the in the community, when, I, when we do programs in the community, it's a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I even had one guy came to the program really drunk. Really, really drunk. Oh, <laughs> so he pretty much just said, hey, go bye-bye. Uh, but we often deliver programs in pairs, so mm -hmm. I will pair up with another facilitator. If the inmates see fractures mm -hmm. between us, they will play us apart. Wow. So they say one thing to me and another thing to the other person. So, you know, we just have to always make sure we're united. We trust each other to mm. model good behavior. Interesting. In, to engage them. Do you think being a woman, being mm. a female psychologist, has any impact to your job? Yeah, it's later in Australia when I'm working with the, with the police force. And I had men, mature, masculine men <laughs> questioned my expertise and said what well, could a young woman teach me mm. um, something along that lines yeah definitely i just have to roll with it it's definitely not easy yeah there is the extra layers i have to overcome before right. i could really gain trust gain mm. their trust so you have to put yourself through various of tests so I would have to challenge him back and mm. while it's showing understanding and say, I understand that, you know, it's, uh, you would perceive me that way, but, you know, I would also invite him to mm. experiment with me and say, you don't have to stay, I'm not going to force you, and, but it's up to you, it's your mm, choice. Mm, mm. You could give it a go. And when they do and they continue on, often I could engage them. Mm. So I haven't had a case that you know, they just left the, either the intervention programs or the one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions. Mm. But definitely the, the initial, the first sessions have always been quite challenging when the participant is, is male. Wow. Being a woman is challenging. Being Asian women, do you feel that it brings extra complexity into your work? because that you're just different to them. Would they um, question, so how do you know how we are feeling because we're different? I try to use that to my own advantage. Hmm. Even though I'm a woman, I'm an Asian woman. I'm also a minority of the society, right? So oh, I would say to them, okay. hey, hey, I understand what it feels to be a minority. I am one. Hmm. Um, so that helped a lot. A lot of our sufferings is, is, is from us comparing to others. Mm. Um, saying that is, um, being a woman, we we being stereotyped. Right. And so so do men. So a lot of their struggles coming from society is expected of them. Um, they're supposed to be strong. They're supposed to be successful. Right. And there's huge burden they carry. Even, you know, if we think about Beijing, it's even harder to um, to be yourself because in a place like Beijing with such high population density, mm. our mind is constantly distracted by what's available to us. So we spend so much time and energy on following and complying with what other people are doing. Right. And a lot of the sufferings actually come from that place. And it doesn't matter if it's a 
you know, a police officer or a, an, an, an inmate I work right. with. Right? A lot of inmates want, actually want to be successful, want to be rich. And all of those pressure are coming from the outside, right? Mm. Um, once you show that you have compassion for what they have experienced, doing your best to understand their walks of lives, and it's much easier for them to engage with you mm. and to explore with you. Yeah, one guy um, really had a problem with his anger, and we experienced a lot of new ways to overcome, to control his anger rather than mm. being controlled. So we had fun in the journey because he was able to experience a different side of himself. That was actually quite rewarding and quite fun because you open your eyes to something new. At the beginning, you mentioned that the reason that you want to take this job because you want to make the world a better place. But after a few years of doing that, did, did you really feel that you accomplished that? Mm. <laughs> to make the world a better place. Um, I, I think I'm more realistic now. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way or a bad way? <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. I think, um, that's why I said in a few, uh, a few years ago, I made a conscious decision to transfer my skills to working with leaders and systems. Mm. Um, because I felt compassionate the plight of the vulnerable mm. and it's the ones who are in power the ones who who are fortunate enough to be in a powerful position and they have the opportunity to even recreate a system to help the people who are less fortunate mm. so if we could all make wiser decisions and then we would expand the influence of positivity I guess mm. rather than try to fix what is already broken right uh, because we after the program we're sending we're sending those people out back to their own system mm -mm. back to their own lives which is dangerous so i still want to extend positive in impact um, to the world but i'm just thinking i'm experimenting new ways to do so mm. quite a journey and then do you miss do you miss your time um, I wouldn't say, do you miss your time at prison? <laughs> do you miss your time working, um, what, your, your, your previous working experience? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. And because I, this memory was so long ago, I, because I was a lot um, younger back then, mm. um, I didn't know how to look after myself properly. And I felt really drained by the end of four years. Mm. And, and I saw at the time, I saw a lot of my supervisors, um, they were really tired <laughs> and they disclosed to me, this is the career. Um, if this is the career, you're going to continue on and you will experience fatigue on a regular mm. basis, emotional fatigue on a regular basis. So I guess, um, I do miss it, but I, I do miss it, um, the, the space. I created and through that space I built connections mm. with people I never thought I would mm. but I don't miss it in a way that the career that career was very draining and exact a lot of energy right. positive energy away from you saying that it doesn't mean it's still making it more 
important for people to pursue that career, I guess, there must be um, better ways and better support system for people who chose that career. Mm. Mm. Self-care is quite is quite important. I guess if I do that, if I commit to that to that job now, I would be in a much better position to mm. look after myself. Parents were were supportive of your your choice because um, I think at the time that um, the parents always wanted to choose the practical courses or major for their children so that they can land a good job after they graduated. Did you experience any of that, or do you, do you, do you need to convince your parents, or um, that they are very supportive? I'm very lucky that my parents were very supportive once they. Kick me out of home. Finally, <laughs> 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 you're gone. <laughs> no, um, they were very supportive. Of course, they 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 worried at times because they know I chose psychology, which may not necessarily lead to a a job straight afterwards, which may not lead to um, so successfully migrating to the mm. to the foreign country. I'm so grateful that they managed that sense of anxiety themselves and gave me more trust and support instead so instead of giving me those pressures they really mm. they were really supportive it made me felt even more grateful at the time and gave me more courage to do well in what i love um, because i have no excuse not to mm. them maybe that they were smart in a way <laughs> that i could not blame them <laughs> Well planned. <laughs> yes. I'm curious to know when did you when when you tell them that you're going to work in a prison and become a psychologist for prisoners, what was their reaction? I can't remember what she said, but she came to visit me. So <laughs> oh, oh, really? The actions spoke uh, speak louder than words. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and. Uh, it's really an eye-opening experience thinking about it uh, through your description and your experience and that's a really fascinating story so thank you so much for sharing it with us oh thank you yeah. thank you for inviting me I, I would like to you know send a message out in the world in terms of you know the Chinese are not just practical they, <laughs> they are dreamers <laughs> they are idealistic yeah. anyway thank you so much okay, for, you. for sharing the story with us Thank you for listening to Woman. If you have any feedback, write to us at womanpodcast, W-O-M-E-N podcast at outlook.com.